0: solar babies welcome back to another episode of
1: the spiritual gaze i'm one of your hosts brandon and
0: i'm your other host angel and
1: this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes
0: and we've actually done this 101 times you mean These episodes? Yeah, well, introducing ourselves and saying that we are, you know, pretending like none of it makes sense.
1: I thought you meant uh, this introduction of this particular episode.
0: Oh, well, that (laughs) we've only done...
1: Three times. Yeah, three
0: times. We've only done that three times. We are recording this in the midst of the Gemini uh, Mercury retrograde, and it shows.
1: Girl, cross your fingers that we don't have to record this a fourth time.
0: Is it still recording, is the question? The,
1: the answer is yes, it okay, is. Okay, great. So Ooh. then let's
0: just continue on.
1: I'm Angel Lopez. I am
0: a uh, astrologer. I am a writer, a film producer, a queer mystic, a healer, a teacher, a
1: lover, and a friend. And who are you? I'm Brandon Alter. I am a non-binary goddess, a queer spiritual healer, a tarot reader, an astrologer, a writer, a teacher... And a performer. And a lover and a friend. And there you have it. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. <laughs> See you next time. That's all you need to know.
0: Um, yeah, no, we are in the... Thing. Well, I guess we'll save some Mercury Retrograde talk for... Our cosmic uh, update. Yeah, a cosmic update later, so we don't have to, like, dive too deeply into it. But it is pretty amazing that we have done this show 101 times. We didn't realize that last episode was our 100th episode, or else we would have done something you know, something with a little more fanfare. But we are going to do an
1: official anniversary episode. Yeah, we just wanted to wait until Mercury went direct before we tried to do anything uh, too extravagant.
0: Well, the goal is to do some sort of like live exchange type show. Um, we did that once and we did that via Zoom, which yeah. worked well. Yeah, it was super successful. Um, but we may try another version of that i'm going to see but um but yeah so that's coming up in the next couple of weeks when we'll be recording that but
1: we are like currently doing this from the gemini new moon portal we are. And we have the opportunity to host a beautiful Gemini New Moon ceremony via the Saged app earlier today that went without a hitch. So thank you, Mercury, for that blessing. Showed up then. Showed up then. Then showing up now. Isn't that <laughs> just like Mercury? <laughs> well, still showing
0: up now. Don't, don't curse it. <laughs> give, we give you thanks. We give you blessings, Mercury.
1: Uh, so should we do a little check-in? Sure. Okay. How are you doing? What's going on? You know, I'm doing well.
0: I mean, I feel good today. Like, I think I'm just, like, grateful to have had, well, to have a whole day at home. I have not had one of those in a very long time. Uh, so it it just feels nice. Um, we're having here in the U.S. what the government refers to as a holiday weekend. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, but we we're pretty much working today. At least I, so I've been working all day. No holiday for us. <laughs> yeah, I've been working all day. But it's... Uh, I don't know. It's I, I. I'm just trying to approach all of my work as like stuff that's enjoyable and stuff that I'm, you know, using to grow towards my my happier self. So even though I'm like currently working on this writing project that's like driving me a little bit crazy, um, but you know, I'm just like trying to just be in the exploration of it, uh, and I'm currently uh in production on a movie we just did two back-to-back night shoots which if you're in production you're like really just two wow so hard but basically it it is just like um challenging because you're like going to work at like 7 30 at night and coming home at like 6 30 in the morning it just like feels really like discombobulating like a dj yeah like a dj but it was honestly like really fun and then like kind of beautiful to like be driving home like particularly like right now in LA it was just like so misty and mystical like coming in as like the sun was rising and watching like the sky change into those beautiful colors um I sort of enjoyed it didn't sleep still catching up on my sleep but then also uh, working on this other writing project and wanted to share this like fascinating, like dream work that I've been doing. I've been working with this woman who I just call the Dream Witch, um, but she helps you to tap into your creative potential through dream analysis. And it's almost like past life regression work, the way she approaches it that you take yourself to the most like vivid entry point of a dream that you had. And she kind of like, you know, has you close your eyes and sort of deep breathe into the space where you were. And then you're just kind of like embodying yourself back in the dream. Oh, so dream re-entry. A dream re-entry. Yeah. But like the most fascinating part of the work this recent one i had a dream that that featured my dad and i can count on one hand like how many times my dad has appeared to me in dreams so it felt really um, important but i also was like i don't really know what there is there like because it felt very small the dream but in unpacking it with her it was like so fascinating and the thing she did in the work that was crazy to me was it was like i sort of like rose out of my body and rose into my dad's body in the dream. And I then was basically like talking through the dream as my father, which was so strange. I almost felt like I was like channeling him. Like I just felt like his voice coming through me. Like I felt in his mentality. It was so fucking fascinating. And it then honestly got me to a place where I was able to understand one of the blocks that i've been having for myself in approaching this piece of work like just like really like needing to like make it personal and attach it to my own personal history and recognizing that i don't necessarily like need to go back into the house of my past that you know i kind of need to get into the adventure of the storytelling so much more and it was uh i mean i'm obviously not going like too deep into like the step by step process of it cuz that would take a while but if that work ever comes across you, I definitely recommend it, um, particularly for creative folks out there. It was like super fascinating. And she's like a young, you know, does like Jungian dream analysis. So it all taps into archetypes and such. But um, but that's definitely like shifted my headspace to to some
1: degree. I mean, it sounds so cool. I want to get her on the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Get this dream witch on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure I can
1: figure that out.
0: And just glad to have you and Noche home.
1: Hmm.
0: You haven't really been home.
1: We have not. No. So how are you? I'm rough. But I am glad to be home. Noche and I were in San Diego for like the last two weeks because my mom has continued to be in the hospital and things definitely were getting really dire there last week. And so uh, Noche was helping me take care of her dog, Luna, and I was going to the hospital every day and just kind of in crisis triage, honestly. And I'm really good in a crisis and I'm really good at being present and showing up for what needs to be tended to. But now that the crisis has passed and I'm back home, I'm just like feeling the weight, and I would say, like, the backlog of emotional processing that I just didn't have the time and space to do when, you know, my mother was basically, like, facing her own death for a couple of days there last week. She had a a nephrologist, which is a kidney doctor, uh, wake her up at 7 in the morning. She's in a hospital. She's asleep, which is rare to get some sleep in a hospital. And this nephrologist comes and He wakes her up, and he says to her, your kidneys are failing. Do you want to die here in the hospital or at home. And of course my mom like understandably like loses it. And cut to less than a week later and her kidney function has completely returned to normal. And I was having a conversation with uh, the resident doctor and with one of the nurses from the palliative team, and we had talked last week, and they said, we're really worried about your mom's kidneys and this and that. And I said, yes, I totally understand. I'm not in denial. I understand where things are at, but also this is a family that believes in miracles. Like this is a family that has seen my mom get as close to death as possible and then come all the way back. I kind of like nickname her Persephone in this way. And so we were kind of having like a a post-show discussion as my mom's getting ready to leave the hospital. And both of them said, we understand now why you're a family that believes in miracles. Because there really is no reason for her kidneys to have taken that turn in either direction. And so there were just a lot of, of ups and downs and moments of real extreme emotional uh, tension. And I don't know what the future is going to hold. And nobody does. You know, my mom says <laughs> to to me and to my brother, she says, you know, like, nobody, none of us know how long we have whether we have cancer or not, you know, you get hit by a bus tomorrow, which is true. So future tripping is not that helpful. Um, But the hope is, is that she can go home, which I think would help her majorly because she's been in the hospital for a month straight. And she's basically been in the hospital since February with a couple of days home in between. And that allows me to tap back into my own life a little bit and also just like integrate everything that I learned and processed over these last couple of weeks, acting as her advocate and And uh yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. I definitely feel like exhausted from not only the emotional weight of it, but also like not getting great sleep. I've got two dogs in her house and Noche would pace at night because he felt displaced, and her dog is a bit of a challenge. And so I'm just I'm just slowly I'm coming back. I feel like I've been in the underworld and now I'm coming back.
0: For sure. Well, in that Yeah, more than anything, that exhaustion is going to keep you from feeling like you can move forward, you know, until you can like really refill your cup, you know?
1: Yeah, which I think is challenging for me because I feel like the last couple of weeks I've just totally put my life on hold. And so all I want to do is like pick it back up. But you're right. I can't pick it back up until I've taken the necessary time to kind of return to a good grounded neutral so after we record this podcast, I will begin that.
0: So no socializing for you, Mister. <laughs> no lunches, Those ladies who lunch dates. I know, for but a few some of days. that is important
1: too because uh, I like I was know. so alone. It was just like me alone in my mom's house or me in the hospital with my mom and like the doctor. So that's also part of like what I need is like other people reminding me what life is about.
0: No, of course, but already there she goes making plans. <laughs>
1: I mean, I made plans as I was driving back from San Diego. (laughs) It's just your nature. But you're right. Well, it's also Gemini season. Of course, it is Gemini season. I just want to gather in small groups and talk until the sun rises.
0: Yes, but it's a Mercury retrograde Gemini season, which we know. Mercury is retrograded back into Taurus, which means this is a Taurus slash Venus driven... Gemini season. Yes. And Taurus is all about the couch and some snacks, which
1: I'm which I'm leaning into. <laughs> I want to lean into that myself. Should we lean into this episode's cosmic update since it seems like we already have?
0: Sure, let's do it.
1: All right, kids, put on your astro hats cuz it's time for this episode's Cosmic, cosmic Update. update.
0: Hey! Alright, so this entire cosmic update is really practically sponsored by Mercury Retrograde. Mercury Retrograde, good for reconsidering, renewing, reviewing,
1: releasing,
0: repairing, restoring. Re energizing, reconnecting, repoing, respecting, <laughs> resting. Resting? Yeah, resting. R E S T. Oh, yeah. Resting. re-sting. <laughs> so, yeah, so we are in Gemini season. My whole thing lately about Gemini has been these three C's of Gemini, right? Communication, curiosity, and choices. Choices. And we're really in the thick of that because we've been in this Mercury retrograde space uh, in Gemini. And, you know, because Mercury rules Gemini, it's all about the mind, our thoughts, our ideas. And what we've really been working with is our stories. You know, the stories that we tell ourselves about our lives I can't tell you like how frustrated I get with myself because I just have the habit of just spinning a damn tale about how somebody wronged me or how somebody's going to like, you know, how I'm going to stand up for myself in a conversation and they don't respect me. So they're going to come at me from this space and I will just like spin myself Into this, just like sadness, even because I'm like, I can't believe that person doesn't respect me. Meanwhile, I haven't even had the conversation with them. And then I finally have the conversation with them and they're like, oh my God, they're like practically in tears. I respect you so much. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I was caught up in my own stuff because that's what we're all doing. And they're also like, and we were terrified terrified to have conversation with you because we also were spinning a tale in our heads of how you were going to respond. So, you know... I'm obviously talking from experience (laughs) with this, but all this to say that, like, we have a tendency to have these conversations and these stories in our heads that, like, on some level in our minds are perpetuating, like, our reality, but in truth, they aren't really doing anything but, like, entertaining our egos, so super important in this Gemini season to really be paying attention to what stories about yourself are then creating the story of your life.
1: Preach. And this is an unusual Gemini season in that the Mercury of it all, as it's in Taurus for a long period of the season is answering to Venus, who's just entered into Taurus. So in a lot of ways, Venus in Taurus really wants us to consider our values. She wants us to enjoy. She wants us to luxuriate and to linger. And so Gemini season is kind of brought to you unofficially by Venus and Taurus. Venus and Taurus,
0: good for shopping.
1: Mm, snacks.
0: Sleeping in soft things. Picnics.
1: Mean, <laughs> picnics. Meaningful connection. I mean, Venus is how my heart says hello to your heart. Yeah. And how your heart says hello to the people you love's heart and even the people you don't love. Venus, it really rules how we relate to other people. And so a lot of what I think the stories that you're talking about reviewing are not just how you're relating to yourself, but also other people around you. Right. Exactly. And what Venus really brings up is value. What do you value? Venus is money. Mercury is the mind. So it's kind of like, are you putting your money where your mouth is? Right. And not just literally, like, are you, you know, using your dollars to support, you know, companies and things that you believe in? But also, are you actually acting in ways that align with the way you talk to yourself about what it is you say you want to be doing?
0: Well, and what it is you believe yourself to be worth, you know, because of that, that worth, that value connection to Taurus, so we sometimes um, forget that the stories we create are chipping away at our self-worth. And we need to make sure that we're using words, thoughts, ideas toward ourselves that support our worth. Or if we don't have a sense a strong sense of self-worth, that promote it.
1: Yeah, or start to excavate it. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that a lot of these stories or these, like, deep programs, they didn't come from us initially. Like, the stuff we tell ourselves, the worst stuff we tell ourselves, is generally inherited Mm -hmm. from culture, from society.
0: From mommy and daddy. From religion,
1: from heterosupremacy, the patriarchy capitalism, consumerism, right? Like we need to start to gate check the thoughts that come through our head because most of them are interlopers.
0: Right. Yeah. We need to like really triple check our sources. Yeah. Because we may even find that we are driven by some love for an idol or an icon and we may not even realize that that person is working without a dignity, for example, you know, or isn't like fully walking their own talk.
1: Say more about this. This feels very specific and I want to understand it better.
0: Well, no, I think even from one hand, like we can, you know, fall in love with a musician, you know, like I can, I can obviously like have a deep love for Madonna, but I also have to like check the fact that like... She has incredibly problematic aspects, (laughs) particularly now, you know, Mm -hmm. that she didn't have when I fell in love with her, you know. So it's like blindly loving her and a lot of queens out there blindly love Madonna when they don't really want to recognize that she has said and done some problematic things really in the last like few years, you know, things of that nature. Well, and even more so, I'm already checking myself. (laughs) <laughs> it's not just in the last few years, but you know, things like that. Things like I don't actually want to like call out specific names, but there are even people in like the wellness spiritual communities who preach certain things but then don't live by them. Yeah, totally. So we're applying like our sense of worth to them, our sense of like story to them without fully like researching who they are and what it is they're preaching. So, yeah, totally. So just of importance to take this retrograde time to really, like you said, I like that word excavate. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's really easy for us as human beings to just like assume somebody else is better than us and can fix us. It's harder to say like, you know what, I'm going to have to help myself here. Yeah. I'm the one with the sovereignty and the agency and the ability to intuit what I need and how to move forwards that's harder than just like, you know, writing a check and telling somebody to fix you.
0: Totally. And I think, I don't know, the community we have, you know, including you all listening, I imagine, you know, like tap into what we do just because we're like, we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything. We know some things and we can like help you grow. But at the end of the day, like we're here to support you in your growth, you know, ideally you don't need us to, like, make you feel like you are in touch with your true self.
1: Totally. I think that's why we're all about, like, teaching tools. Yeah. Because we want to, like, give you the same access that we feel like we have, but we don't want to do it for you. We don't want you to be, like, dependent on us. Because that's Venus out of relation, like, out of right relationship.
0: Yeah, exactly. So all of these things helpful to consider. Uh, but then we do, uh, have Mercury stationing direct on June 3rd. So right after this podcast is going to be released, it's going to be in Taurus at 26 degrees. So anything you have in those last degrees of Taurus have really been coming up for review, have been asking for your attention. So just making sure that you're paying attention and just know too that like things will start to move forward. Uh, on that June 3rd date. Now, that being said, on June 4th, the day after, we have Saturn stationing retrograde in Aquarius at 25 degrees. But, you know, Saturn does a big retrograde every year. And, you know, I feel like when Saturn's going direct, it's really putting us to work in certain ways maybe moving us toward like new positions in our work or things of that nature. And then when it retrogrades, it just kind of gives us the opportunity to kind of really be in the work.
1: Yeah. And it's also worth looking at your own chart and knowing were you born with Saturn direct or Saturn retrograde? Because if you are a Saturn retrograde baby, then when Saturn does move in a retrograde direction, you might find that you start to feel like you're moving forwards. And Saturn spends about half a year retrograde, so you yeah. have about a 50-50 chance of this being true for you.
0: Uh, and then just know that... Um Mercury is going to eventually re-enter Gemini on June
1: 13th. Which feels pretty major because at that point we will have four planets in their home signs. Saturn in Aquarius, Mars in Aries, Venus in Taurus, and then Mercury in Gemini. Which feels like some cosmic alignment that might help you tap into some momentum to actually like get some shit moving forward. Yeah. We haven't had this many planets in good places in quite some time.
0: Yeah, it's so nice for all these planets to, like, get to come home to energy that they know. And it allows, hopefully, everyone to kind of be, like, moving in a cleaner way, communicating in a more direct way, you know, really just kind of, like, easing into things. Yeah. Getting shit done.
1: Obviously, you know, every planet has its own challenges and blessings no matter what sign they're in. But a planet in its home sign is really Uniquely well resourced. So to have those three personal planets—Mercury, Venus, and Mars—in their home signs should have us feeling personally well resourced. And then to have you know Saturn in their home sign, as they have been for quite a little bit now, um, also is like, okay, can we feel well resourced as a collective to tackle the work that needs to be tackled? And I think we all are seeing what that work is. It's very clear. It's clear. That's truth. It's clear. <laughs> Um, all right. So
0: just know lots of Mercury business to mess with.
1: I would just say we're out of eclipse season. Yay. So breathe a sigh of relief, everything that was coming up for you in the last six weeks. Now it's your turn to process and integrate it. As you, you know, heard me talking about with my mom. It's interesting, actually, the last time she was in the hospital and it was like really rough was last summer and it was also eclipse season mm. and Mercury retrograde. So I knew this going in, but I was also like, just because, you know, the astrology doesn't mean you don't have to walk through it. right? Um, but take these next couple of weeks to process and integrate those revelations, you know, those tower moments that have been visiting you.
0: Yeah. Um, All right, everyone. Well, we're going to keep the astrology train going. Choo-choo! Because we are going to do a little deep dive into the astrology of the sun. So, relax, put on your sunglasses, and don't look directly at us in this episode's
1: Deep Dive. Dive! Splashy sploosh
0: so i found it really interesting that we had never done uh astrology you know all about the astrology of the sun
1: yeah we've done every other planet yeah including an asteroid or two yeah but we've never actually taken the time to unpack who is the sun in astrology And it's our 101st episode, so it makes sense to kind of go back (laughs) to basics in a way. And no matter how long you've been studying astrology, it's never a bad idea to return to the foundations because you never know what you might learn that will then help you reinterpret your practice.
0: Totally. And let's be real, you know, the sun, she is kind of a bit basic and that's okay.
1: (laughs) You know what? She is and she loves it
0: it's still important to be able to commune with the basics because we have, to all, we have to be able to speak the full language. But really what I mean is just, you know, it's, it, she's a little basic in certain astrological aspects, but she's a little basic too because that's what most people consider just like their understanding of astrology, right? Like your sun sign is your sign, the one that anyone will ask you.
1: Yeah, and I think it illuminates the conversation between who you are and what you want.
0: Yeah. Um, I really like this uh, quote from Joanna Martine Woolfolk. She writes, Your horoscope is a painting of you. The characteristics of your sun sign are the broad strokes that the artist first lays down on the canvas. The artist outlines your general shape, the planes and angles of your face, the way in which you hold your body. In the same way, your sun sign delineates your general character.
1: Yeah, I think that's really useful. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look to the sun to let us know, like, when and where we are. Right. Like, okay, the sun's out. Okay, it's daytime. Oh, the sun's like really high in the sky. Okay, it's noon. Oh, the sun is not shining as bright and hot as it used to be. Okay, we're in winter. I mean, we use the sun to really help us organize ourselves in space and time. And so the sun in your chart is no different. It's giving you those kind of broad strokes organization of, of who you are and what you want.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's the center of our solar
1: system, right? It's like the greatest energetic. Allegedly. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We, we stand, we stand basic astronomy.
0: Yes. Um, But yeah, it is that great energetic pulse for everything. You know, it gives life in that way. So the sun does really represent just that, like, true, pure inner light. You know, like the sun is your life's pulse. It's life force. And I've always kind of gone to referring to the sun in someone's chart as the soul. You know, that soul essence of someone. And you can look to that. Um, is being described as like their personality, right? Like their general way of being. But I like the soul because we have to consider that like, you know, we're all energetic beings first and foremost, right? We're all just like soul beings. So it's almost like they're... Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) So it's like there are like 12 soul colors, you know? And given our sun sign, that's the the color that we...
1: Yeah. Or, if you want it to be a little less basic, there are 36 soul colors because you take into account each of the decants of the signs. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, or you could, you know, really take it further and say there are 360 soul colors taking into account each degree of the zodiac. For sure. But I was gonna say, I really like that interpretation of the sun and you're talking about it as the soul because it is that light that we can't help but shine. And I do think about, A mystical Jewish approach to the creation of the universe, which is that in the beginning there was just the undifferentiated light of the divine. And there were these vessels that contained this divine light and something happened as it usually does. And the vessels were shattered and the light went everywhere and got stuck in everything including us. And our job the sense of like tikkun olam which is repairing the universe our job is to Excavate that divine light within ourselves. So, if you think about the soul and the soul as an expression of that divine light, then the sun sign is how you can excavate that divinity from within yourself and share it with the world to essentially repair it.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. So, the sun is really kind of that, like that most powerful compass, right? That. Everything else then informs, in a way, the Mercury, the Mars, the Venus, all the other planets. They're all on some level in service to the soul, the sun's general essence of you.
1: Yeah. I mean, everything orbits around the sun. So if we just use the universe or even our solar system as symbol, then we understand that all of the other planets are orbiting around this soul essence. Yeah. And the light of the soul helps us understand what the other players were wanting to do. But depending on what sign your son is in, it's going to answer to other planets. So unless your son is in Leo, it's going to answer to somebody besides itself.
0: Right, right. But it has like some other um some other relationships to some of the other signs. Um, There are like very specific terms for them, astrological terms, but we kind of have our own terminology. Yeah, let's go through it. For them. So we like to say that the sun is at home in Leo.
1: Yeah, traditionally it would be called domicile. Right.
0: Um, And then we say that the sun is thriving in Aries.
1: Traditionally known as exalted.
0: (laughs) It is in its innovation
1: In Aquarius. Traditionally known as detriment. So you can see why we've changed these words.
0: And in its mystery in
1: Libra. Also uh, traditionally known as its fall. Right. Which, if you have a Libra sun, you realize is not its fall at all. No, you're gorgeous. You're stunning.
0: Here, living your best life. Um, Unless you're lying to yourself, Libra.
1: Yeah. So these these are places where the sun has a particularly unique relationship with the landscape of the zodiacal sign that it's in.
0: Right. So just important to, like, have those little tips for yourself if you are in any of those signs, particularly.
1: And I think the reason for that, just to, like, go back to the ancient astrologers, is that, like, Leo season, and this is very, you know, northern hemisphere bias, so you'll have to forgive us, but the astrologers that, you know have passed down the legacy. And this is also a larger conversation about the fact that like, most of the astrologers that we have are informed by the patriarchy, which is why we have to evolve astrology. But we're looking at like a Western astrological approach. So this is all to say that Leo season is the peak of summer. It's when the sun is highest and hottest in the sky. And so that's where the ancient astrologers were like, oh, this is a moment when the sun really feels robust. Whereas if the sun is in Aquarius, it is the fixed middle of winter when the sun is dimmest and coldest, and it's probably not a great time uh, to be answering to that sort of sun because the sun is (laughs) in its full power. So, again, this is where we look to the natural world to help us flesh out the symbology of the zodiac.
0: Yeah. Another... Way I like to look at the sun is to refer to it as the most comfortable chair in your house. Oh, yeah. I love when you say that. Uh, Because it's just like an energy that you know, you understand, you know, For the most part, the personality traits that are assigned to your sun sign are things that are going to feel very familiar to you. Unless, of course, you have like an oddly placed sun or have a Saturn sun situation or what have you. But for the most part, you are going to really like feel just that like easy, cozy essence of it. You know, like it just like knows the contours of your body, you know, when you sink into it. Yeah, it's that perfect little black dress. Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, you can consider the sun as just this energy that is on some level familiar, familiar, but still wants to be expressed. And you can then look to your sun's house placement to get somewhat of a clearer sense of how that sun wants to
1: express. And where in your life does that light want to be shined the brightest?
0: Yeah, and we'll actually... Just go and give like a little headline for the sun in every house. Oh, um, at the end of this, but <laughs> but um, another way I like to think of the sun too is that it's like the main character in the play of your life,
1: hmm. you the know? protagonist.
0: Yeah, and that you know the sun's adventure is similar to like how you would like go about creating your experiences mm-hmm. in life, you mm-hmm. know? How the sun would approach its journey through the place is is essentially you, you know?
1: I love that. Thinking of like the sun as the fool in like the yeah. fool's journey through the tarot.
0: Yeah. Which is why I also like that it has like this thriving connection to Aries, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's easy to also Relate the sun to the first house. For right? sure, yeah. Yeah, because it is that horizon, I mean the rising obviously too, but it's that, that horizon point line of your
1: chart. Yeah, it's the initiation point. It's the assertion of identity and expression in the world. Yeah. Which is why technically it's in its fall or its mystery in Libra because we know Libras are very much interested in the other. Right. A good Libra wants to be in relationship, wants to partner. And that's not necessarily what the sun does on its own. You know, the sun wants to shine and it wants to be center stage and it wants to acknowledge itself first and foremost. So it is mysterious in Libra because it's through the other, through the mirror and the reflection that it sees itself more clearly.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the sun is ultimately like a strong backbone for your identity. And you may find that the sun is associated with the identity as well, too. For sure. Yeah. And the sun is also associated quite a bit with purpose and, you know, our sense of purpose. I like to really dial it down to, like, how we on some level, like approach our purpose, you know, like the energy that we're going to use. It's almost like the tools that we're going to want to use in order to attain our purpose. Um, But it doesn't necessarily have to be like so literal per se. So, you know, it's like, I'm a Scorpio, so my purpose is to be a detective. Like, I don't think it's like that literal, at least not all the time. My dad is a Scorpio and he was a detective. But
1: <laughs> but I think it informs how you approach purpose, right? Like I have a 12th house Aquarius son. So I approach my purpose in like kooky, innovative, spiritual ways, right? Like Aquarius, kooky, innovative, spiritual 12th house. Right. So no matter what I'm doing, you know, because I think a life purpose is many things. It's, it's how you live your life. It's not necessarily the things that you do that's challenging for people you know looking through like a capitalist framework we think purpose is how we make money our life purpose has to be our career but that's not true your life purpose is how you move through your life right exactly that's your life purpose is is how you engage and so the sun sign in astrology can can help you understand okay how do i how do i naturally engage going back to that like most comfortable chair in your house but i think it's worth saying that depending on what time you were born, and this is what's known as sect in astrology, S-E-C-T. If you were born at night, you might find that your moon sign takes a lot more of these connotations because you're looking to that luminary. At night, the sun ain't out there. It's more hidden. Whereas if you're born during the day, you're definitely looking to the sun for all of this.
0: Yeah. And then I think also good to go back to something you talked about just briefly before, which is the rulership element.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's super useful because your son, even though is a big, fiery star, unless it's in Leo, is answering to somebody else, taking its cues from somebody else.
0: Which can become a whole long train of events,
1: yeah, but I think when even you just start
0: to go down for sure. the whole rabbit hole.
1: But even just like looking to that first planet, you know, like if your sun is in Aries, it's a sun that's answering to Mars. If your sun is in Taurus, it's answering to Venus. And these things can help you make better sense of your sun. Like my sun is in Aquarius, it answers to Saturn. It's a Saturnian sun, as opposed to, you know, a Sagittarius sun that's Jupiterian.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, mine is answers to the Mars and Pisces, which, you know, makes me very clearly Pisces, or Piscean.
1: Yeah, you're a ram that's lost at sea.
0: I'm a ram under who can swim.
1: Oh, you're like a ram mermaid. Yeah, I'm a ram man. A ramen. A ramen? <laughs> no. Okay. Just a ram man. I'd love some ramen, though. That sounds delicious.
0: Oh, it's so hot. It's too hot today. It's too hot
1: for ramen. <laughs> but they say when it's hot, you should eat hot things. Oh, they do say that. Right? That's like where spicy food comes Allegedly. from.
0: Allegedly. It... Um... So I think, yeah, it's helpful to just like think about those extra elements of things um, because they do all continue to color your sun sign expression too. And then of course, yeah, the house placement, like wherever you have your sun placed, again, it kind of gives you just like some sense of how that sun wants to express in a particular way. And we'd created these little, like, they're almost like affirmations when we uh, had done uh, some work on the uh, on the sun in our one of our astrology classes. And I just thought it was interesting to share them. Share it with the children. So to have a sun in the first house would say I express myself through asserting my identity. To have a sun in the second house is I express myself through bringing beauty into form. Hmm. A third house son says I express myself through my thoughts and ideas. A fourth house son says I express myself through my home. Fifth house son says I express myself through what I create. A sixth house son says I express myself through how I serve others. A seventh house son says I express myself through my connection with others. An 8th house son says I express myself through sharing in deep experiences. A ninth house son says I express myself through what I learn about myself in the world. A 10th house son says I express myself through sharing my gifts with the world. An 11th house son says I express myself through finding ways to strengthen the collective. And a 12th house sun says, I express myself through soulful insights into the human experience. So just some like unique affirmation-like statements to help you connect to that sun essence in each of the houses.
1: Yeah, and I love that each of them start with I express myself because the sun can't help but pour forth some of its essence. Right. But how you pour forth that essence might be very different based on the sign in the house. And it is an important thing to understand for yourself, how do I inherently express myself, but also where else can I grow? Yeah. So
0: hopefully this gives you just an opportunity to, you know, delve a little deeper into your sun sign. Um, When you do get into astrology, it tends to be the one that you just kind of speed through. Cause you're like, I already get this. I want to know all the other stuff, but you no, know, don't, uh, don't leave that basic, basic friend behind.
1: No. Cause there's a lot you can learn about the sun, And it is certainly the sign that everybody knows first and foremost in the hospital where I was for the last 300 years. Uh, every time a baby is born in the hospital, there's like a little five second melody that's played throughout all of the speakers. Mm-hmm. It's, um, like da da-da-da, da 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 I think that's a rockabye baby, right? Yeah. Okay. And so every moment that that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, I know what this baby's birth chart's gonna be. I know what <laughs> this baby birth chart's gonna be. I mean, most of the time, I was like, oh, these poor eclipses and babies. But I just think. In the old days, when we would all go to restaurants and people would get sung happy birthday in the restaurants, you would also know like, oh, there's a Virgo. Oh, there's a Scorpio. (laughs) Because it's fun. It's a way to start to get to understand the essence of somebody's soul. Right. I mean, I did this whole newsletter because it's Gemini season. I was talking about how astrology is a language. At its essence, astrology is a language, and it is neutral. It is neither good nor bad, but how we use it determines its legacy. And if you speak even just a little bit of the language of astrology, it helps you understand yourself and other people in ways that we don't have other language for.
0: Yeah, exactly. So continue to uh, expand your knowledge of the language for yourself. And now we're going to settle into
1: this week's tarot card. So just take a moment connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled and just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. So this is just one card to help us as we move through this last week of Mercury retrograde as it prepares to start to clear its shadow moving direct. What do we need to know? Mm, Eight of cups reversed. So the eight of cups shows a figure walking away from eight perfectly gorgeous full goblets into a craggy landscape. So this is an evolution of the heart cups being emotions, intuitions, relationships, and eights being about evolution. So your heart has evolved which means that the needs of your heart have also evolved. And the things that once used to nourish you or fill your cup, as these eight goblets represent, maybe no longer do. You have to walk away from the old in order to create space for the new. And the reversal is usually just the resistance, because it's a scary place to be. It's scary to think, okay, this used to really nourish me. This used to really make me feel well-resourced, and it's just not cutting it anymore I have to acknowledge it and move away. It's a perfect Mercury retrograde card because this is a reassess, renew, or release sort of energy here. And so you might just start to attune to your relationships with people and places and things and thoughts and habits and patterns and projects and ask yourself, is this still nourishing my heart in the way that it used to? Or is my heart yearning for some new source of nourishment? And the Eight of Cups is a grand adventure. It is one of those classic gate cards. It is quite evocative. And it takes us into the landscape of our heart where we, as Rilke would say, paraphrasing here, but walk out onto your heart as if it were a vast plain and start to explore. Your heart is so much bigger than you might understand. And the Eight of Cups invites us into exploring realms of our own heart and our own needs that we've never had the courage to explore before.
0: Yes, adventure into the landscape of your heart.
1: So thank you for being here. We love you. We love connecting with you in all the ways that y'all show up for us and we hope that we're still showing up for y'all. We are developing our next astrology course, Astrology for Healers. It's going to be seven weeks and we're going to announce it as soon as Mercury is no longer retrograde. Officially, we'll open up registration for it. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and what I think we're going to do actually is you're going to have the option to take the whole course or... Or to buy certain, you know, one or two week portions of the course if you're just interested in working with like electional astrology or doing a deep dive into the houses. So um, this is just our way of helping it to feel more like a summer school where some of you will want to be there for all seven weeks and some of you might just want to pop in for one or two weeks.
0: Yeah. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, make sure that you sign up for our newsletter, which is on the homepage of thespiritualgaze.com.
1: Yes, and that's where you'll get the new moon taroscopes and the full moon homoscopes sent directly to your box. And if one day Instagram or Facebook disappears, and y'all, that day may be coming. Yeah, at or least or you'll the know. day where we disappear from those. That's may also come. true. Yeah, you'll know how to you'll know how to stay in touch with us. Exactly.
0: Um, but you can also just uh, you know roam around our website as well see all the offerings we have um we're on all the social medias right now obviously the spiritual gaze on instagram spiritual gaze on twitter at the spiritual gaze on the face book the meta and uh yeah so hopefully we'll see all sometime soon hopefully this retrograde treats you well it's gonna be over by the time you know it and probably already by the time you
1: listen to this until next time, this has been your transit through the Spiritual gate.